Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. And so uh, we understand that wholeheartedly tonight. Amen. This is a peculiar weekend. And in reality, this is a Memorial Day weekend as we try to remember uh, those who have served in the service and, and has passed away or went on. And uh, this is also, this is Pentecost Sunday today as well. This Pentecost. So it's kind of a, a, a special or, or peculiar blend, if you will, of celebrations, uh, memorializing those who went on and also uh, Pentecost Sunday, 50 days past Passover, amen, Pentecost Sunday, amen. And I want to turn to the word of the Lord of Acts chapter number one. And I'll be mindful of your time, but we're here, so we might as well just take a little bit of time here tonight. I did not expect really to put together a Pentecost sermon, but that's just the way things kind of fail a little bit. So uh, we just fall with it. Amen. I don't think it falls. God's word is elevated. Amen. We can have a good time in the house of the Lord. Amen. This evening, regardless, nevertheless, because his word is going to stand forever. Amen. The great thing about his word, heaven and earth may pass away, but his word will stand. Isaiah said the grass may wither and the flower may fade, but his word will stand. Amen. The Hebrews said the worlds were framed by the word of God. Amen. Have great confidence in his word. You know the awesome thing about God's word? God's word doesn't need propped up. Doesn't need any help. Doesn't need any support. You'll go forth and do that which was sent to accomplish according to the word of the Lord. They don't need any help. They don't even need my help. Amen. God's word is good all by itself. Amen. And I'm thankful tonight for his word. Acts 1. And I'm going to read one verse, verse number four. And then I'm going to turn backward to the Old Testament and just snag a, snag a verse from the Old Testament, perhaps that we can incorporate here just a little later on. But Acts 1 and 4, the writer states these words, which we know to be Luke. The Bible says, and being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, ye have heard of me. Now, First Samuel chapter number 9, if I can just steal a verse of Scripture here, in verse number 13, this is a, another story of another time, but I hope before it's said and done we can intertwine the two in some respect together. The Bible says in First Samuel 9 and verse 13, as soon as ye be come into the city, these are some maidens that are speaking to Saul, who is yet to become king. As soon as ye come into the city, ye shall straightway find him that speaking of Samuel before he goeth up to the high place to eat. For the people will not eat until he come, because he doth bless the sacrifice, and afterwards they eat that be bidden. Now therefore get you up, for about this time ye shall find him. Amen. For a little while tonight on this uh, Memorial Day weekend and Pentecost Sunday, I'd like to minister this for the next few moments. Hurry up and wait. You ever heard the phraseology, hurry up and wait? That's what I'd like to preach on tonight. Hurry up, amen, and wait. Hurry up and wait. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, I come to you right now. God, I'm thankful, Lord Jesus, God, for those that have gathered together here this evening. I pray, God, that we need your anointing. 
We need your spirit, God, to come down, to show up, Lord, in this place, God, through the ministry of your word. God, let that word go forward. God, I'm not here to prop it up. It's a strong, powerful word by itself. It's an alive word. I pray, oh God, tonight, let that word, I pray, Jesus, do its perfect work. God, not just the lives of those that sit before me, but God, in my own life, God, I need the word of God to do a work, Lord Jesus, in my life, God. And I'll be thankful, God, for the word that it does, Lord Jesus, for the work, God, that it does. God, I'll give you the praise and the honor and the glory for it. In the lovely name of Jesus Christ that I pray, amen and amen. The church say amen. 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 You may be seated tonight. Hurry up and wait. I know that we all probably at some time or another in our life have used the phrase or referred to something that we were experiencing at that moment as a hurry up and wait moment. Hurry up and wait is nothing more but a little idiom. It it, it took place really and found its birthing place within the military, and I'm not using it because of that, but found its birthing place in the military. Men who were accustomed in their time of training, but also in their time of having tours at different places across the sea. It seemed like they were always called to a time of being hurried to a task or hurried to a place or a location only to after they got there, to have to wait patiently for just the right moment to strike or to move in or to carry on with the other actions that was required of them. And so they found out that in the military life and road that there were a lot of hurry up and wait moments. Uh, Hurrying over to the postal service where they may have had boot camp and then wait on the letter in a line that's five blocks long as every other individual was waiting for something to happen. So that, that moment was there of hurrying up and waiting. As a matter of fact, one soldier said that he believed that a soldier's life was nothing but made up in waiting for the critical moments of life just hurrying up and waiting for the critical moments in life and so this little hurry up and and wait thing has plagued our own lives I've rushed into the store at times after I've been here all day because my wife sent me a little text and said all we need is just this it's just one item run into the store in a rush because I'm eager to get home and see my wife and see my kids and man I know exactly where that is I pick it up tuck it underneath my arm or I got my billfold out getting every because I'm I, I don't plan on this being a long stay and lo and behold you know there's somebody that got you know their 52 coupons out there on the conveyor belt ready to go through and so it's a hurry up and wait moment that I'm experiencing at that point in time. And to describe hurry up and wait, it's kind of like this. Uh, Some describe this idiom as this, to be alternately rushed and delayed in an exciting situation. On one hand, you're rushed. On the other hand, you're delayed. On the other hand, you're trying to quickly get ready. On the other hand, you're sitting there waiting. Amen. Perhaps for a long time. Another description of it is that you move quickly or prepare quickly for an activity that is delayed sometimes because you have to wait for something or perhaps someone, someone else. I I have also been acquainted with that aspect of hurry up and wait, get ready to leave, get ready to go, man ready. I remember as a kid, uh, mom would come through on Sunday mornings and it only took her a snap of the finger to wake us up. That, That was our alarm to wake up in the morning, even throughout the week, she'd snap her fingers and at the snap of the fingers, we would wake up, get ready. And of course, I'm a boy, so I guess there's less to do, I guess. That's what they tell me. I don't have any hose to put on or anything of that nature. And so I would get ready fairly quickie and I would hurry up. Eat breakfast, be done. We's going to make our trip across the river to come to church. And I'm sitting in the living room waiting. 
I thought, you know, maybe being the only male of the kids in the house, so perhaps the snap could come a little later for me because I spend a lot of my Sunday mornings waiting on the other uh, four, might I say, or however many it was at those different times to get ready for church. I'd hurry up. You're anticipating. You're, I mean, you ever been in those moments you just throw yourself together and all of a sudden, man, it's wait. Just here recently, whenever we were having the visitation for my grandmother and family, we're allowed to be there, of course, an hour early as the custom is. And I always try to be there if I'm doing a service exactly when the family's going to get there. And I rushed home. I didn't have on a suit that day. I rushed home, put on the different clothes. Man, I was out the door. My wife had a few things for me to take. I was out the door. I was trucking along. And lo and behold, the slow-moving vehicle that's in front of me. I hurried up just for the fact of waiting. It made me six minutes late. I just about couldn't stand it that I would dishonor my grandmother's visitation like that. But there's a hurry up and wait moments in our everyday lives. Everyday lives. As a matter of fact, in the Old Testament in 2 Samuel 5, verses 23 and 24, the Philistines had come once again against the children of Israel to do war and to do battle. David is at the commanding post and he asks the Lord, Lord, shall we go up and take them? He's asking asking some a direction from God. Shall we go up and take them as we've went up and taken them many times? The Lord says, no, you're not going to go up and take them at this moment in time, but you just come around them. Fetch a compass behind them and come up over against them against the mulberry trees. And So you're going to come around and you're going to go up there against the mulberry trees and I can almost imagine David because he's ready to get this over with. He knows his capabilities. He knows the Philistines have been no foe of past nor present and that if God had said go up at once and take them they could have done it but being obedient through the word of the Lord God says go over here to the mulberry bushes and get a compass of people fetch around there and get there and supposedly wait I almost see David come on guys let's get moving let's get going let all the troops in their proper order you know hut one hut two man their armor together we're going to do battle let's go over here to the mulberry bushes hurry up and they wait God says, because you're not going to do anything till there's the going and the top. Of the, I don't know, folks. The Bible does not relate to us how long it was from the time that they got there until the going happened in the top of the mulberry bushes. It, it very well could have been a hurry up and wait moment for David, which he had been exposed to many of those moments in his life. I'm anoint you king, but wait until you get the throne. You know, he's been exposed to all types of these moments in his life of hurry up and wait. And so this here again is another experience for him in scripture where someone hurried up get to the mulberry trees you know I can imagine him almost wanting some guy to just shimmy up one of those trees and start shaking there's the going let's go boys let's head on out no but it was a moment that he had to hurry up get to the place where he needed to be but then he needed to wait we come across a very similar moment in New Testament scripture in my reading to you tonight because what I read in scripture here in the word of God is that whenever I read through the Gospels, there's something that has a common theme at the closing of the Gospels and the closing of the verses of the Gospel. We hear this command. We hear this mandate from Jesus Christ himself. And it's often worded like this, such as in Mark 16, 15. He's speaking to those ragtag group of 12, and he says, Go! ye therefore into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature we see in other places the scripture like Matthew 28 19 he's speaking to these boys again and he says go ye therefore 
and teach all nations, baptizing them. And so they hear this plea. They're getting some instruction from the master, but their excitement is a little heightened at this point in time because what is speaking to them is the resurrected Lord. What is speaking to them is the one that had trained them and invested his life in them for the past three and a half years on mountaintops by lakes under the greenery of trees. And now he had spoke to them and told them, I'm going to die, but in three days I'm going to get up again. And no doubt each one of them had their own concern and bit of doubt that they contended with concerning the validity of what Jesus said and what he spoke. But ladies and gentlemen, after three days elapsed and he got up out of the grave, let it be known that they are now very eager that if he says go, I'm ready to go. Amen. He already said he was going to get up and that happened. And so if he says do this, I'm going to do this. And so they hear the word of the master in the closing of the gospels. He's saying go, be active, perform, do, so forth and so on. Teach, preach, all nations, teach, all nations, go into all the world. And that's constantly upon their mind. And so they're moving quickly. They're preparing suddenly. Amen. For what the Lord have asked of them to do. But when we open up the first chapter of the book of Acts now we hear from the same voice these words hey wait now God we, we waited you know for three days in the tomb and we were doubtful about whether or not that was going to take place but we've seen that happen and the Bible said that he was with them after his resurrection for 40 days and he showed them many infallible proofs after the passion amen that he had amen about him being alive and of his works and what he could do and what he could perform and how he could do for them and their families and now they hear the words from the Savior to say go they're eager Hey, no more, we're on our way, we'll accomplish, we'll do, we'll conquer. But as soon as they're about ready just to do exactly what they need to do, the same individual speaks to them and said, hey, wait for the promise of the Father. Don't depart from Jerusalem. Don't go anywhere else. Just stay at Jerusalem and wait. Now, God, I, I'm a little betwixt and between here. Oh, in a moment, you told me to go, and now you tell me to wait. It feels like a hurry up and wait moment. On one hand, I'm rushing, and on the other hand, I'm doing delayed on one hand I'm eager to go on the other hand I'm reluctant to wait so I'm in a hurry up and wait situation someone say amen and so they were poised in the upper room there in a hurry up and wait situation, not departing from Jerusalem, but staying there waiting at the Bible oftentimes also calls it tarrying, amen, there in that upper room. It was the Feast of Pentecost. People from all other nations were gathering together to the city of Jerusalem of different nationalities and different tongues. The great, great Pentecost of old. It was a feature of celebration. It was a feature of celebration because it was intertwined and it intersected a time of harvest and people were thankful and grateful for what God had allowed to poke up through the ground in their fields. It was a time of celebration where the Old Testament law, the Levitical law said that in this celebration there would be a presentation of two loaves that were made from the first fruits of the wheat harvest that took place at that time. 
And with these loaves, with these loaves accompanying them would be two lambs, the Bible would tell us in Leviticus, that were offered as peace offerings. And all were weighed before Jehovah, and they were given unto the priests. There were other sacrifices the Old Testament spoke of. There were sin offerings. There were meat offerings, grain offerings. There were whole burnt offerings, amen, uh, concerning the time of, uh, of Pentecost. There were burnt offerings of young bullock and two rams and seven lambs with a meat and a drink offering and a kid for a sin offering. But there was also this peace offering that was dedicated for the Lord at the time of Pentecost. Can someone say amen? This is a time that every individual, every male was to appear before the Lord. Both the Levite and the stranger, the fatherless, the widow, did not matter what their status was in life. They were to appear before the throne room of God. Everyone was invited to come to Pentecost, this great social event of the year. And among all these different types of offerings, you had a whole burn offering that whenever you offered up the animal on the altar of a whole burn offering, the fire completely consumed the whole burn offering. There wasn't anything left for the priest. There wasn't anything left for the people. As a matter of fact, from my understanding, there is only one offering where there was any meat or food that was left for the people and that was a peace offering three different type of peace offerings you could have a thank offering a votive offering or a free will offering and all of these were under the classification of a peace offering the difference with the peace offering is this whenever there was a peace offering the priest at Pentecost would get a breast that he would weigh from the animal he would get a thigh called a heave thigh that he would get to have of the animal but all the other meat of this offering the peace offering was to be eaten by the worshipers and those they had invited to take part the widow might not be able to supply that type of offering for herself the fatherless may be incapable of doing that the stranger not being totally up to speed on all the practices of the Jewish religion might not be able to do that but you could invite a friend amen to come along and they could have some meat perhaps they haven't had in a long time because of the peace offering that was being offered unto the Lord amen as a matter of fact a peace offering could happen at any time it could happen just whenever a person had enough joy and celebration exuberance in their life that they wanted to offer an offering unto God it could happen amen it by most by most times it was a spontaneous offering but the only place in scripture that a peace offering was ever regulated by the law was at Pentecost that's the only time never at tabernacles not a not a Passover the only time that God said that I require that you bring a peace offering is at Pentecost because at Pentecost there's going to be a lot of people there's going to be strangers there's going to be people unable to bring their own sacrifice so I require you at Pentecost to bring a peace offering not just for you to have for yourself but for others that are around you or in close connection to you or even strangers to you to partake of also in this offering I'll get there, folks, okay? Just bear with me. Amen. We'll, we'll have a chance at this offering also. Amen. Pentecost. Everybody say Pentecost. Pentecost, a peace offering. Two lambs that after the, the priest got his shoulder or his thigh in his breast, that all, everything else was left to the worshipers. Someone say Pentecost. 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 <laughs> Amen. 
As a matter of fact, whenever we consider Pentecost, it's one of the three great feasts, Passover, Pentecost, and Tabernacles. When we speak about Pentecost, it is the only one of the three great feasts which is not mentioned as a memorial to an event in the past. Passover was a memorial to the event of the past whenever the children of Israel was delivered out of Egypt in Exodus 12. That night when the death angel came by and they had their Paschal lamb and they left from that place, that was Passover. Passover was a celebration of remembering their bondage in Egypt and coming out of there in that very night. That was Passover. Tabernacles was a a memorial service to remember their years of traveling through those 40 years in the wilderness in tents and booths as it's called. And So at Tabernacles they would set up those stationary booths again and it was a time of celebration but it was demarking whenever they made it through the wilderness but there is not some memorial for Pentecost in the history of the Jews can someone say amen hurry up and wait one person said it like this he said waiting is the period we endure until the expected happens Waiting is the period we endure until the expected happens. Whenever I read to you from 1 Samuel chapter number 9, here comes the intertwine. When I read from you from 1 Samuel chapter number 9, I'm telling two stories and we'll put them together, okay? I read concerning Saul, who had been commissioned by his father. I have a few donkeys that are lost. I want you to go and search for them. Take you a servant with you and go search for these donkeys. The Bible describes their search. They search throughout the land, all through the land, very carefully in various places. And it seemed like it was hopeless. Seemed like their venture was going to end in despair. Saul's getting a little nervous because they've been gone for a long time. Looks at his servant and says, do you think we ought to go back home? Pre-adventure, my father is getting worried about us. And he'll start going out looking for us as we're looking for the donkeys. His servant says, I know a man. I know a seer. I know a prophet. His name is Samuel. He's a great man of God. He's an honorable man of God. Perhaps we could go by where he lives, where he has an altar at over in Ramah. And perhaps we can consult him and he could give us some type of direction about where these donkeys just might be. Well, says Saul's like, well, do you have anything to give to the man of God? It was customary. If he's going to go see the man of God, you, you bore some type of present. You bore some type of gift. And they, they summoned up a little bit of money. And they're on their way then to see the man of God. And they're searching for him and asking different people, have you seen the seer? Is, is the prophet in town? Is, is he anywhere close? Could you please just give me some direction to where his house is or where his abode is? And as they were traversing up a particular hill down, Come down, coming down the hill were a couple of maidens that were going to the well, the water source, to get some water in that day. And they met them as they were going up the hill. And they spoke then to these ladies. Ladies, is the seer, is the prophet anywhere to be found in town? Has he come by this way? Is he home? And they speak to him in verse number 12. And they answer him and they say, he is. Behold, he is before you. In other words, 
you're headed in the right direction. Just keep on going. Make haste now. Now, don't drag your feet. You need to be very, you need to hurry up. You need to get to where the seer is because he just got back today in the city. He just got back today in the city. He's been on a journey. He's here because there is a public sacrifice that's taken place in the city up in the high place. And he's about ready. He's the priest. He's the judge. Amen. He's the seer. He's the prophet. He's, he's going to go up there and officiate over this sacrifice, this public sacrifice. And the Bible says in verse 13, as soon, they're telling him as soon as you go into the city, you just, you're straightway going to find him. You're just going to run right into where he is. But you better hurry up because you got to get there before he starts his rituals. You got to get there before he starts everything concerning the sacrifice up in the high place because he's going to go up there and I don't know what type of sacrifice, but I tend to believe it's a peace offering or some type of peace offering because the Bible describes that these people were going to eat and that he was going to go up there, Samuel was, and he was going to eat. And he says, you, you got to hurry and you got to make your way up there because the people will not eat until he comes because he's got to come and he's got to bless the sacrifice and he's got to distribute and do the ritual before anybody can eat. No one can take a leg. No one can take a thigh. No one can take a breast. All that food can be before them in a very great spread, but nothing is going to happen any further until the priest gets there and he blesses the food. Then everybody can eat. The living Bible says it like this. Those maidens told them the guest can can eat until he arrives and blesses the food. So you gotta hurry because he's on a mission. There's people waiting to dig in and they're waiting on his presence. There's people waiting to feed their hunger. There's some widows that haven't had a good meal in a long time. There's some fatherless, there's some estranged people that haven't ate meat in a long time, but they're waiting on the presence of the priest before they can dig in. So you got to hurry up. You got to make some headway. You got to get to where he is going before he reaches that place. Amen. Because whenever he gets there, he's going to bless the sacrifice. He's going to distribute to the people and the people are going to be able to eat because this must be some type of sacrifice where it can be shared and offered to brother and sister, neighbor, friend of any kind. But it will not happen until he arrives. Someone say amen. Oh, someone say amen. And so whenever I go back to the book of Acts chapter number one, the mandate from Christ was this, go, hurry, order, make preparations, do this and do that. But then in a pause in Acts one, he says, hold on, wait, go to the upper room, tarry, go to the upper room and wait. Why? I tell you why, because you cannot afford yourself of everything that I have for you until I show up. You can't dig in. You can't have all the luxuries of what the Spirit is going to provide you until I show up. Whenever the priest King Jesus shows up, it's going to unfold. It's going to unwind every pleasure, every delicacy. It's going to be there at your fingertips. And for seven to ten days, the people are waiting. They're waiting. They know what's coming. He said the promise is coming. They know what's going to approach. He said the promise is going to approach. But it cannot, I cannot partake of it until he comes. Someone say yes. 
There wasn't just a peace offering in a very real sense there, but I believe there was a peace offering in a very figurative sense there. God had some good gifts to give to his children, namely the gift of the Holy Ghost. He had some great signs and great wonders for the people, fatherless widows. It mattered not their nationality or their tongue, but they couldn't dig in. They couldn't do anything but hurry up and wait. But I'm here to tell this church tonight, it's worth waiting for because whenever he shows up, there's nothing off limits. When he shows up, there's nothing out of bounds. When he... Some would say yes. Yes. Woo. We got thighs, we, we have breasts, we have legs. Man, we have all of these different portions of meat, but they're stuck and waiting. Those maidens said, because he's got to show up. He's got to bless it. He's got to bless it and distribute it. It's just going to be at a stalemate until he shows up. What was good for the first Pentecost is good for our Pentecost now. All preparations can be made and there can be quite a luxurious, impressionable spread. But honey, it's not going any further than that until he shows up. Wring your hands, smack your lips, lick your lips, be desirous, but honey, it's not going any further until he shows up because whatever is on the spread, he has to be the one to bless it. Whatever's on the spread, he's got to be the one to distribute it. I don't want to step ahead of God and grab something he's not blessed, grab something he's not sanctioned, but I know if he shows up, what I get, what I receive has been sanctioned by the hand and the spirit of God. Someone say yes. Hurry up and wait. Someone say amen. What is the importance? It is vital important. Pentecost is tied to its origin. Nothing less. Nothing less. At this time of year, everybody is talking about stuff they don't even know. Mm -hmm. Newsletter articles propagated by mass denominations are talking about Pentecost Sunday. They're talking about something they don't even know anything about. They're talking about how tongues of fire and the experience there for that one-time occurrence in the 80s. Talking about something they don't even know. You know what we've done in the society over the world in certain measures? The table's been spread and we've went on without him showing up. But honey, it, pay, it begs us to pay attention just to hurry up and wait for him to show up. Amen. To do what he can do. 
to bless what he can bless, to distribute what he can distribute. I can't eat until he arrives. Woo! I can't find nourishment. Uh-uh. I don't have the answer until the priest arrives. The Bible tells me, 1 Samuel 10 and verse 8, this is not long after this occurrence. Let me back up for a moment before I go there. If we talk about Saul, Samuel told Saul, Saul, you follow me up to the high place. Mm -hmm. He sat him down at the table of some of the chief people that were invited. And he blesses the food and he places in front of Saul a shoulder, which was the choice meat for the choice guest. <laughs> Saul, you wouldn't even have this bestowal had it not been for the priest showing up. And Saul has just experienced this. He stays over a day and Samuel talks to him about do not worry about your father's donkeys. That is not the real issue of you being here right now. Hey man, God is going to anoint you. You're going to become the first king of Israel. You're going to leave this and go to a certain place. And as you go, you're going to come into a company of prophets. And you're going to begin to prophesy. And the spirit of the Lord is going to come upon you. And he told him in verse 8 of 1 Samuel 10 with all of this. With some more instruction of what was going to happen in his life. He tells Saul. He says, and thou shalt go down. After you've been among the prophets and prophesied. The spirit of the Lord's come upon you. It's changed and it's altered your, your heart. You're going to go down to Gilgal. And I'm going to come down into thee and I'm going to offer burnt offerings to sacrifices of peace offerings seven days shalt thou everybody say wait tarry till I come to thee and shew thee what thou shalt do Saul has just experienced he's been a beneficiary of a meal because the priest showed up now the priest has told him, you go to Gilgal, you hurry up and get there and wait seven days. And when I show up, I'll do the burnt offerings and peace offerings. What that mean? If there's a peace offering, there's something left over to be shared with everybody that's there. If there's a peace offering, there's a portion in part that everybody can take part in. In. He says, when I show up, he says, I'll do these things. He says, you just wait, and I'll show you what to do. In 1 Samuel chapter 13, the Bible describes to you and I that Saul followed the order of God. He come among the prophets. He did prophesy. He felt God touch his mind. He felt God touch his heart. He just really knew in all of this that is happening to him. But he goes to Gilgal as the spirit of the Lord through the priest Samuel had told him he gets there he waits day one he waits day two he waits day three the, the sacrifices are no doubt already there the burnt offerings are already there the peace offerings are the animals are there ready to be taken care of day three he's waiting I hurried up and I made my way beeline to Gilgal and here I am seven days having to wait he's there in day number four waiting day number five waiting six waiting day number seven he's still waiting no Samuel, no priest, no prophet. But he knows 
The only way we get what's coming to us is if we wait for him to show up. Yet he became so overwhelmed with waiting on day seven. You know what? I don't know if he's ever going to show up today. Priest said he would. You wait. You know, it's past noon by now. And well, everybody's kind of, they're kind of getting kind of dispersed. And I need to gather the people to me and get a vote of confidence and all this. And, and everybody's kind of dwindling away here. And you hit the, you know, the sun, it's starting to, starting to go down a little bit. And I, I don't know about this hurry up and wait business. The priest ain't here. And I, I know otherwise he's got to bless it and distribute it. But I wonder what would happen if I just go on without him. And becoming discontent to wait. To receive what he could receive at the hand of the priest. He went on, the Bible says, and he offered the burnt offering. And after he had offered the burnt offering, not having a chance even to get to the peace offering, the Bible says that Samuel showed up. He showed up and he says to Saul, what in the world do you think you're doing? What gave you a license to offer up the sacrifice of burnt offerings and peace offerings? Who died and make you priest? Who died and made you the high potentate? Concerning these matters, you've done wrong in the sight of God. You betrayed the commandment of God. For this very matter, the kingdom is not going to flourish with you because you couldn't wait till the priest showed up to bless, break, and distribute what only I. Someone say glory. There's a lot of things happening in church buildings today that does not at all resemble church. There's a lot of sacrifices being offered on a Sunday night of Memorial Day weekend by no means resembles church. What is it? Somebody saying, God, I'm just tired of waiting. I'm just gonna go on and do what I think is best. I'm gonna go on and order this and prepare this the way that I think best. We can still have church. Honey, whether we think we can have church with him or without him, we need to draw up our swords and put him on the shelf and say listen here we're going to tarry we're going to wait until he shows up nobody's eating nobody's getting anything until he shows up he'll distribute he'll bless we can't go we can't partake until he shows up What in the day are you doing, Pastor? Some of those times in a service, you kind of just stand in there. People's kind of, oh, Lord Jesus. No tongues or interpretation, but you just kind of, we did our three songs and this and that, and we got here. Now you're just in this waiting mode. Got your eyes closed like something's going on. What are you doing? Tell you what I'm doing. 
There's peace offerings there. I can't cut them up. I can't distribute them. I can't return thanks for them. What are you doing? I'm waiting. Till he shows up. I'm waiting. Till he shows up. I'm just a pastor. I only know a little bit what goes on in your life. But the priest knows all things. I'm just waiting. Until he shows up. I might have gave you a thigh. When what you needed was the whole backbone. I'm just waiting. Until the priest shows up. He knows who needs what. When they need it. How much of it they need. And how long it needs to be with them for the days to come. It's going to take him showing up. Someone say amen. The Bible says in Acts chapter number two that when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. Now let me stop right here and debunk maybe an idea or a concept that says that Pentecost will come when we all get into harmony, when we all get into one accord, when we all get into one place. No, let me tell you this. Pentecost will fully come when all the sacrifices are there, all the peace offerings are there, and everybody that are in need of a peace are there, but it'll ultimately come when he shows up. He'll ultimately come when he shows up and he blesses it and he distributes it the way it should be distributed. Someone say yes. That's worth hurrying up and waiting for. Hallelujah. Just wait. Saul said, told Samuel, he said, I, I, was, I, was forced to, I was forced to do this sacrifice. So I was forced. Felt compelled. I was, I was forced to do it. I forced myself. No, no. No, no. That's not how it operates, Saul. Can I tell you for a moment about the goodness, love, kindness, gentleness, gentleman of a priest that we have today? Can I tell you about it? I believe his life is depicted in many ways in the life of Samuel. Because after in Acts 15 that the Lord had rejected Saul, Samuel He's weeping and crying and mourning over Saul. God tells him, Saul, why don't you go fill your horn with oil? I got another king for you to anoint. He says, I want you to go down over there to Jesse's house. Because I have one of his boys that I want you to anoint king. Now Samuel says, now Lord, you know if I go down there, it's going to stir up a ruckus. It's going to draw some unwanted attention that, that, that we need to avoid. So how are we going to do this? Listen to me. God told Samuel, he said, Samuel, you go down there with a sacrifice. You go over there to a sacrifice that you're going to have a meal of sacrifice with Jesse and his sons. You're going to share some portions. You're going to share in a meal. You go down there and you do that and you anoint one of those boys king. Samuel comes. People are a little worried about his approach. You know, Samuel was the one that was known to hew people with his sword into pieces. So, you know, he kind of carried some clout with him. And, and so whenever he showed up, they were like, have you come here peaceably, Samuel? A great priest, oh, great mighty one. 
Oh yeah, I've come peaceable. We're going to do some sacrifice over here at Jesse's house. The first boy walks before him, Eliab, not the one. All these boys walk before him. None of them are it. Start getting me 1 Samuel 16, 11. None of them are it. So much so that Samuel turns to Jesse. Now we have an offering here, a sacrifice that's going to be able to be shared by everybody in the house. So it's probably a peace offering because it's the only offering that you could do something like this with. Probably some type of free will offering. And here's Samuel. Listen to me. The priest, listen to me. The priest is already present. Everybody listening? I'll talk to you about the, the, the gentleness, kindness, and loving, loving father and priest that you and I have that I believe is displayed in the life of Samuel. All the sacrifice is there and the priest is already there. If he wanted to, at that point in time, the blessing and the distribution could happen. He was there. But he asked the question, are these all your sons, Jesse? Well, no. There's still a lad of mine out in the pasture tending to the sheep. He says, you go get him. Look what he says. For we will not sit down till he come hither. What are you saying, Samuel? The table spread to eat and partake. I'm here. We could go on and bless this and go forward. But due to my service and compassion and office, there's somebody that's not here right now. And so we're not sitting down at the table. We're not latching our lips on one piece of lamb until David gets to the table. Honey, there's times that we are the ones that are hurrying up and we're waiting on God. But there's other times that God is waiting on us. Either way, our personal Pentecost cannot happen if we're not there or if God has not showed up yet. priest says I notice somebody's missing here we're not going forward right now because I want him to be here folks let me tell you about the loving God that you have there's times that God could have went on but he is waiting for you to hurry up and catch up to where he was what he was about ready to do and show up he's waiting for you to get your elbow out from neither your chin and for you to get connected to the table because he was about ready to bless and distribute amen honey that's the way we can have our Pentecost it might seem like a hurry up and wait game but but I'm telling you again and again, it is worth the wait. If you'll stand with me tonight. <laughs> I need him to show up. And I need him to bless what we're doing. I need him to distribute what we're going to partake of. It must, it must, it must be him. So Pentecost... Does it have anything in Jewish history that it stands for a memorial for? As a matter of fact, the closest thing that you get that's 50 days past Passover in the Old Testament is when the presence of God descended on Mount Sinai and the law was given and the Jews were birthed as a nation. Notice, closest you can get 50 days past Passover was God's presence showing up at Sinai. In the New Testament, 
50 days past Passover in Acts 2, his presence showed up at Jerusalem. Pentecost is not something you memorialize and look backward to for a history. Pentecost is any time the priest shows up. It's not reaching backward to memorialize something. It's making a new episode of Pentecost today. We're waiting for him to show up. And when he shows up, just at Sinai and just at Jerusalem, and still today in our service, Pentecost happens. He blesses, he distributes. We cannot eat until he arrives. Until he blesses it. Till there's thanks returned for it. Till he distributes it. Hallelujah. We can bow our heads in this place tonight. I open this altar. There are many services Sunday morning and Wednesday nights that there's not an altar call given around here. So I don't feel out of line to give an altar call tonight on this Sunday night. Amen. Where we could come to the Lord and say, God, I feel like I'm in that hurry up and wait mode. I feel like sometimes, God, you've told me to go, but in a, just a short space of breath, you have told me to wait. And God, I'm in that waiting mode. I'm waiting, Lord God. I, it's that period of time that I'm waiting patiently, God, for what I'm expecting to take place and expecting to happen. I'm trying to tell someone tonight, go on and wait. Because whenever he shows up, he's going to open up the bounty of his storehouse in heaven. Whenever he shows up, he's going to make the distribution according to need, according to desire. God will do it. Amen. These altars are open. I wish as many. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you and have a blessed day.